0: Hey Church, we're in a series right now called We Are Love Church and really we're just rallying around the name change that we recently went through. So really the title of the sermon represents the fact that we are Love Church now. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Our, Our mission statement is, has been, is experience and express the love of God. It's who we are. It's what we're talking about. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Well, welcome. You guys doing okay? We're going to continue on in a series we've been doing called We Are Love Church. We thought it appropriate with the the changing of the name and everything that we talk a bit about who we are. And, uh, you know, truly, as we look back over the years since we started this church, there has been this consistent thread about the love of God. And, and, uh, you know, even going back to the very first days, I remember, you know, it was like a, a thing that, that would come, Dana would come to church every week and she'd end up crying. And it was like, Dana, if you know, I've known her for quite a while. And, and she's not what I would call a crying person, you know. I'm certainly not. But Dana's not either. But it was just because she would sit there and it was like the reality of God's love would just hit her. And, and she'd say, what am I doing? I'm crying again. Ah. But, you know, I've seen that over the years, that people just get hit with the love of God. And it's nothing I know how to do, but I know it's something he does. And, and uh, you know, that's the atmosphere we really crave here. Yeah. We want every person, and I don't know how many times I've prayed this, I, I pray some things over a lot, but I, I often will pray that every single person that comes through the doors of our church would know they're loved by God. And and I would add this that every person tuning in online, whatever the medium is, if it's Facebook or, or YouTube or whatever, that they'd know that God loves them. Yeah. Loves them. That He's He's not just putting up with you. He's wild about you. Yeah. You know, and, and you matter to Him. And and um, I mean that's a heartbeat. That's the heartbeat. And 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 that's a cool place for sure. But it's it's a foundation. It's a solid place to stand on. It's a door that opens up for the miraculous. It opens up for God to move in and do things in you that only he can do. And, and you know, um, I just, I'm, I'll get to these notes here too, but I was thinking about it, you know. We're, we've talked about experiencing love for a few weeks, and last week, Pastor Stephen did a great job of, Transitioning into talking about expressing that love. And, and I, I, I know that that looking back over notes I've preached over decades, I, I was realizing this that I had done more talking over the years about expressing the love than experiencing the love. And isn't that interesting? And I find now that it's a lot easier to find in my heart things about experiencing the love than it is the expressing part. But both of them are valid. Both of them are really valid. In fact, um, the deal is this, that you really need to experience the love before you can effectively uh, express that love, you know. It's just, it's just reality. And you know, I think uh, back to when I first got saved I was just kind of a meltdown of, of, wow, God loves me. You know, I wasn't so much looking at other people, but I was looking at me because it was just so real to me that God loved me and he cared about my life. This was foreign thinking to me. You know, it was foreign thinking to me uh, prior to, to being born again. Uh, I didn't think like that. I thought God was trying to, you know, change me which is true, but I thought in order for him to love me, I'd have to change. That's what I thought. But then God started speaking to my heart and telling me, hey, just the way you are, I love you right now. And that just, man, that just like melted walls in my life, barriers that have been there, you know, for coming to God. And and that became reality to me, and I didn't even know a scripture verse about it. You know? I didn't even know that, that it said that in the Bible, but I knew that's what he was speaking to my, my heart, and that was the reality that I was living in. All right, so here's, it's like this. We need to go express this love to people. I mean, that's, that's what we're called to do, but before we do that, we've got to grasp it in, in, on the inside of us. We've got we've to experience it. And, and I, I said it like this in the first service, that, that if someone was to get up here this morning and try to tell you about pizza, all right, now how did we get to pizza in the second service here at Love Church? If someone was to try to explain to you and, and tell you about eating pizza, but they'd never eaten it themselves, the very best they could do is read you a recipe. Tell you what somebody else thought about pizza. Now don't go far with pizza because you got a few minutes yet before we're done. Okay. But, but uh, I am kind of hungry for a pizza myself today. But anyway, I may have one. But, but uh, Sunday cheat day, all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if somebody has experienced it, if they've tasted pizza, they can come to you and they can talk about pizza in such a way that you go, wow, that guy, that guy's been there. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. Man, I never heard anybody talk about pepperoni the way that guy talked about pepperoni, but I'm, I'm wanting some pepperoni after I hear him talk. See, that's what God is all about. That's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants us to not just go out and tell people some doctrine, not just tell them some concept that, that you heard someone else say, but he wants us to go out and tell people what's real to us. What's real, that he's real to us. All right, now let me look at what I was talking about. Well, you know, I was going to start with Ephesians 3, but basically, you know, there's a pray, prayer that Paul prayed there for the church that I've been using here at the beginning of these messages, but the, the key to it is this, that I've been going to, is that that he's praying for this church at Ephesus, and he's praying for us because the Holy Spirit directed him this way. He's praying this, that the foundation we stand on, that the the soil our roots go down into, is this foundation called the love of God. That's where we stand today, folks. We stand on the love of God. Whether you're, you're looking to get your prayers answered, and you know, I think Christians should get their prayers answered, okay? You know, but, or whether you're, you're, whatever it is you're doing, you're trying to get from God, this very foundation that you and I stand on is this, the love of God. The love of God. He loves us. He loves us just as we are. All right, uh, in John, John chapter 13, verse 34, we'll, we'll go there this morning. All right, are you along for the ride here today? I mean that in a good way, you know. All right, John thirteen thirty-four. Jesus' words here, he said this, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you that you'd also love one another and by this we'll all know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another you see this is the identifying mark of a Christian okay what is that you love people that you love people that you've got something in you that's so great you need to go express it to the world that's how people know you're a Christian isn't that something? They don't know it because you wear a button on your shirt. They don't know it because you got a bumper sticker on your car. If you do, that's cool. All that's good. They don't know it because you wear a Love Church sweatshirt, like I do. I, I've got one of them good old Love Church sweatshirts, which you can still get today. But after that, forget it. Not going to happen. But, but that isn't how people know you're a Christian. They know it because you express the goods. You express the goods that God has put in your heart. Do you hear me this morning? Say, so I got the, got the love. All right, a couple of you do. All right, I got the love too. And that's, that's i tell you what, this is, this is amazing. You know, when, when I got born again, I go back to my stories because I like my stories. You know, they're real to me, you know. But, but back in the day when I got born again, you know it was largely you know due to probably a lot of people praying but the what god used was this man in my life who happened to be my boss at the time and and the thing is is i remember from the very first day i met this guy his name was bill and and i knew exactly where he stood with god you know it was like like he didn't come and preach at me, but, but there was something about him that, that I recognized right away, going back to my first memory of him, is that he had a connection with God. And, and you know, I worked for him for a couple years, and it took that long before I, I, I eventually did get born again. But, um, you know, I would say this, that, that him and I weren't even that much alike, you know, he didn't dress like I dressed. He certainly didn't wear his hair the way I wore my hair. I had long hair back then, you know, and, you know, he had the crew cut thing going, on. And, 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 you know, he didn't like the kind of music that I liked because we'd talk about this stuff. You know, I'd talk with the guy. You know, I, I remember only two times in the two years that I worked with him or for him that he ever really said anything god, godly to, to me, you know what I mean, like witnessing kind of stuff. But, but one time was, I, I came in one, one day and, and, and uh, he says, he called me the hippie, that's what he called me. He never called me Paul, he always called me hippie. You know, his whole family called me hippie. I went to his house one time I knocked on the door, his kid answered the door and said, dad, that hippie's here. They all knew me that way. One time he drove by my house and, and he just rolled his window down and he saw me up there and he says, hippie, get out and mow your lawn. Anyway, I says, ah. that's what he said to me. But, but, but somehow in all that, though, I knew he loved me, that he cared about my life. And, and one day I walked in and he said to me, he says, uh, so Hippie, what what'd you do last night? And I went on to describe the events of my night. I didn't hold nothing back. And I said, you know, and I got all done, you know, thinking I was just totally shocking him. You know, he looked at me and I said, well, what would you do? And he says, oh, yeah, me and my wife, we, we sat down and we were praying for you and your friends. And, you know, I just looked at him. I probably sneered. I probably looked like, uh, yeah. But inside I went, oh, my, 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 my. You know, what people show outwardly is not always what goes on in- inwardly. And, and, you know, again, he was, he was nothing like me. You know, we didn't like the same things. But, but uh, I knew this, that he cared about me. And that opened the door. That opened the door in my life to hear what he had to say. What did I say in the first service? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When they know how much you care, then they want to hear what you know. Okay? You know, people aren't won to Christ by, by you and I coming them and, and and debating the Bible with them. People don't come to Christ by you and I coming to them and debating politics with them. Oh, that was bad. That was, a, that was tough. No, it's the truth. People come to Christ because they see you love them, and that opens the door, and then you can speak into their life, and God can do things in their life. I remember one, you know, I'm still on the same topic. I'm talking about this guy, Bill, that that God used in my life. I remember uh, I turned 20 years old when I was working at this place, and and Bill and some of the, the people that worked there got me birthday gifts. And, you know, they didn't get me you know, Lawrence Welk albums, you know, or things they listened to. They actually listened to me enough to know what I liked. And, and they, they, they got me like Led Zeppelin and Yes, these albums, you know, that I was into back then. And, and, and it was so funny because they probably never even heard that kind of music and would have probably been like, oh, it's terrible. But they knew I liked it. So they got right down where I was. They entered my world and said, hey, we care about you. And you say, oh, that doesn't sound very godly, giving them, giving them Led Zeppelin, who over there are singing about I'll t- tell you what, it was an open door into my heart. God will meet you right where you're at. He'll come in and he'll come and get dirty with you. Wait, does God get dirty? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus was always being ridiculed because he hung out with sinners, you know, and people that were of questionable reputation. But it wasn't that Jesus was being questionable. It was that Jesus was loving people. People need to be loved. We've got this love in us that they need, that they're looking for. I'll tell you, the, the, the toughest, roughest people out there, the people that you might be afraid to even go up to, they have a need in their life. They need to be loved. I'll tell you, it'll melt the toughest person to see genuine God love displayed. All right, hey! All right, this is good preaching. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I'm skimming through a bit here. I'm going to find where I'm going to start. And all right, Romans five five. I'll just read this, and then we'll go to a new place. Romans five five. This is just so good. I mean, how can you talk about expressing the love of God, experiencing the love of God, and never talk about Romans 5.5? Uh, it says this in the King James, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Isn't that amazing? The love of God has been poured into our hearts. Not just any kind of love. You know, there's different kinds of love they talk about in the New Testament. There's different words used for love. I won't go into a big Greek uh, discourse here. But, but there's a specific kind of love called the love of God. And, and this is what it's talking about here. It says this love of God has been poured into our hearts, the real thing, the genuine item. Clarence Jordan, uh, probably my favorite one of this uh, translation, he says, God has given us a love transfusion by the Holy Spirit that he provided. You know, we're lacking. We're lacking in life, but God came and gave us a love transfusion, and He put into us the very stuff that makes Him tick. He put love inside of us. You know what would Jesus do? He'd love. All right. Now, I want to read it, or I'm not going to read. I'll probably tell this story. It's a Jesus story. It's a Jesus while He was here on the Earth ministry type of story. It's in Luke 19. Uh, It's about this guy named Zacchaeus. You know, you guys ever heard of Zacchaeus? You know, I I really, I kind of think it's a cool name, Zacchaeus. I like it, you know. I think his friends called him Zach. I think he was, you know, if he had friends. But uh, I want to challenge you with this, that when you read the Gospels, I've done this. I've read the Gospels, and I'm, I'm awed at, at, you know, Peter, James, and John walking with Jesus and how they viewed Jesus and everything. And, you know, I get, get you know, like, wow, what would it have been like to have been one of them guys? Well, what I want to challenge you with is, is uh, now hear me right on this. Don't get twisted on, on this. But when you read the Gospels, see, see yourself in Jesus' shoes. Yeah. Now, you ain't Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But I'm telling you what. If we're going to get really scriptural about this, Jesus called us and he said, The same works that I do, that's the ones you're going to do. In 1 John, I believe it is, could be one of the others, 2nd or 3rd John, it says, As he is, so are we here in this world. So when you're reading some of these Jesus stories, see it like you loving people the way Jesus loved people. See the works of God, the miracles of God that Jesus was doing. See you doing that kind of stuff. Say, wow. Instead of saying, what would have been like to walk with Jesus? Say, what would have been like to to go and do the kind of things Jesus was doing? Because that's the kind of stuff I'm called to do. There's a perspective. Okay? So as we think like that, listen to this story. So Zacchaeus... You know, the very first thing it tells us about this man named Zacchaeus in Luke 19 is, is that he was a tax collector and that he was rich. And you think, well, why does it even tell me this stuff? Because, well, it gives you an idea of the kind of person we're dealing with here. Maybe not so much the kind of person he was, but definitely how he'd lived and, and, and how he was definitely perceived by people around him. You see, tax collectors, you know, you may not have a high opinion of a tax collector today, I don't know, you know, but, but it certainly was not like it was back in the days of Jesus. These guys were, were known to be crooked. They were known to take money from uh, the poor and not give it to the rich or they probably did that too, but they, they took it for themselves you know, as well as taking it for the government. They would skim off the top, and therefore it says here Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was rich. Let me tell you something else about him that you you probably could figure out, is he did not have a lot of friends. People did not want to buddy up with Zacchaeus. People weren't sitting out by the coffee pot saying, so what would you do this weekend, Zacchaeus? You know, no, that didn't happen. That guy was probably by himself a loner. And, in fact, here when we find Zacchaeus, he's in a crowd, but, but he's alone. Have you ever been in a crowd and felt alone? And, 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 okay, let me go on. Another thing that it points out about Zacchaeus is that he was short. What is the Bible? The Bible's so real. It tells you Everything. He says he was short and so right there I, I kind of, you know, identify with the guy because I'm not the tallest guy around. I think, wow, yeah, he's short, I get it. So being short is, is really a bummer when you're in a crowd because you can't see, you know? You can't see over people's heads. You know, I remember one time when we took our girls when they were just little to the Billy Graham crusade and it was such a crowd, it was crazy. We were pressed against you. I, I think you could have literally lifted your feet and been carried by the crowd. It was so massive. And, and, and uh, we held the kids up so they could breathe. Hey, you know, there's air up here. Go ahead, look around. You can see, you know. I had him on my shoulder or whatever, up, up above the crowd. Well, Zacchaeus, he was a creative guy as well because in this crowd that he couldn't, you know, see beyond, he was short, in this crowd that he was probably despised, in this crowd he wanted to see the person that was coming, and it was Jesus, he got up in a tree and, and so he could see Jesus coming. Now what I love and what I want to put po- this whole point of my story here is what's about to happen. Is Jesus walks through the crowd and what does he do? He walks right up to the tree that Zacchaeus is in and he points at Zacchaeus and he says, "Zacchaeus, come down from that tree." And again, there's a Sunday school song that pops in my head right now and I'm refraining from singing it, but but I'm telling you this. Though he looked at Zacchaeus and he says, "Come down from that tree because I'm going to your house today to eat." Now, don't, don't read that and think, well, Jesus was sure arrogant. He just invited himself over for dinner. No, Jesus was breaking down the walls that had kept Zacchaeus out from enjoying life, that made him feel maybe subhuman, made him feel like he didn't fit in maybe his whole life. Maybe that's how come he got into the profession that he did and the lifestyle that he did because he might have felt like he was, he was always picked on as a kid. I don't know. But I'm telling you, this is the very person Jesus goes to and says, Zacchaeus, you're the man. I'm coming to your house. He gave him worth. So what I love about this is that Jesus just didn't love the cool people. Jesus loved the people that were, for whatever reason, unlovely. Jesus has love for every person. Now... In the last couple weeks, I've read a lot of stories about Billy Graham. Has anybody else read some? (laughs) seems like every time I've I've put on Facebook for a while there, I was seeing a Billy Graham story. And then I watched the funeral the other day. You know, I used to work for Billy Graham for, like, over 10 years. I worked with him, not directly with him. I didn't write sermons for him. I offered to, but, you know, anyway. (laughs) I. But, but, but you know, so I had an interest in it and so I did watch and I heard, I heard one of his daughters, I think it was Ruth, got up and said, said, said it seems like everybody's got a Billy Graham story. And then she proceeded to tell some of her Billy Graham stories, which were pretty cool. But um, when I was reading some of these, the one, one of them that stood out to me was, was one that Keith Hershey put up. Uh, Keith is going to be here in April. And uh, that's not why I'm telling it, though. But uh, I've heard Keith tell this story to me before, but then he he wrote it down so nicely and put it on Facebook and actually shared it on a private Billy Graham employee account because I thought people might enjoy reading it. But when Keith was a young man, he was probably, I think, in his early 20s, he worked for a missions organization, and uh, he, was, he was doing some cool stuff, going overseas, going to, you know, the Middle East and Africa. And, and uh, the head of the missions organization that he worked for invited Keith to, to uh, come with him to a dinner that was for about 120 evangelists, Okay. So he gets to this meeting and Keith says he looked around and he immediately felt inferior. He immediately felt out of place because he looked around. Two things he noticed is one is that he was the only quote unquote young person in the room. And the second thing he noticed is that the people that were in this room were, were people of a caliber that they were like household names where he grew up. You know, there's people like Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham and and, and Louie Palau and Billy Graham. I mean, you may not know these people. I've read some of these people's life stories myself, and I'd be like, wow, cool. Lauren Cunningham, he's the head of YWAM, started it. And, 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 and so, anyway, Keith said, I looked around, and I just felt so out of place. Have you ever felt like that? And so... What Keith said he did is he went and he sat at, at a table that was way over on the side, you know, away from the action. And all by himself he went and sat down there at this table. And he said he's looking, you know, down whatever at his napkin or something, and, and all of a sudden somebody comes up to him and says, Is this seat taken? Can I sit next to you? And he looks up and it's no no other than Billy Graham himself. Sitting right next to Keith. And so Keith said, as soon as Billy's in, of course he said, sure, you can sit down here. And as soon as Billy sat down, everybody wanted to sit there. <laughs> he said, the table, you know, he had all these guys that I mentioned already, they're all sitting at his table now. And he said, and, and as the evening went on, he said that Mr. Graham, Billy, knew that he was going to be called upon to address the crowd. And he turned to Keith and said, hey, there's a scripture that talks about don't bite and devour each other. Do you know where that's found? And Keith's like, my goodness, Billy Graham is asking my advice before he gets up to speak. And Keith says, my mind just went, uh, I think it's in the New Testament. It was a good guess. <laughs> good guess. <laughs> But as soon as he says that, you know, I think it was Louis Palau across. The, Louis Palau is like, they call him the Billy Graham of South America. He's a wild evangelist. He just spoke right up. I think it was him and said, said oh, it's in, I can't even tell you, 1 Timothy 4 or something like that. He gave the exact verse. And, of course, Billy got up and addressed the, the whole crowd and everything was cool. But, but as Keith shared it, it was like, and, and I thought about it, it was a Zacchaeus story. Billy was simply acting on the love that he had on the inside of him and you know anytime I saw the guy that's how he acted too you know he loved people that's how we're called to 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 act to operate that's how we're equipped to operate with this supernatural God kind of love that we've received that we've experienced and now he's saying man experience it and go out and express it you see I love how God does it too he doesn't like, you know, oh, squeeze the last drop out of it, you know, get everything you can. No, what he, this is the way he operates, is he fills us up to such a measure that it's overflowing in our lives. Yeah. We're so full of this love of God stuff that it's not like, oh, I've got I to work this up now. <laughs> i got to put on my game face today. No, you're so full of the love of God that it just naturally oozes right out of you. You're so full of the love of God that you're, you know, if you could see in the spirit, you're really a mess because it's oozing out all your pores, and you go up to them, and you go, yeah, yeah, come on in, come on in. Doors are open. Man, you can, you can love people right into the kingdom. hey yes. okay. there you go. That's what I got today. And, uh, you know, it's not a works thing. It's just being who you are. Getting, getting rid of the barriers, getting rid of whatever kind of obstacles have been in any of our lives, and we all kind of have stuff like that. But it's breaking it down and living life being who we really are, who God's created us to be. It's the best way to live.
0: Hey, church family, Gary here. We want to talk about some of the ways that you can give. One of the ways you can give is with the envelopes which are on the back of most of the chairs. Just grab an envelope, Clearly print all the information on the back, and then drop it into the white boxes, which are located near the doors in the sanctuary. Another way to give is with text messaging. So send a text message to 77977 saying, Love Giving, and then wait a second for the response. Click the link, set the amount you want to give, whether it's a reoccurring gift, and then hit Give. Another way to give is on the website. Go to www.wearelovechurch.com. Up at the top, you're going to see a word saying give. Click that. You'll see a button that says click here to give. So go ahead and click it. And then it's going to take you to a page asking you the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Go ahead and hit next and then confirm. Another way you can give is with the Love Church app. You can download it from the iOS store or the Google Play store. Once it's installed, just open it up. You'll see a button that says give. Tap that. Select the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring, and then hit Give.